Welcome to Days Are Update for June 19th, 2022. I'm your host, Chris Sologi. I'm Brandon Parkins. And I'm Dan Red Victorio. And yeah, we've got another big week here. We've got some cleanup for Summer Game Fest news and such. Uh, a bunch of big announcements have been made, uh, including two of the uh, potentially uh, boring anniversary events that were happening uh, a few days ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, could have just been boring celebrations yeah. of series, but they decided to announce big games, so that's mm-hmm. uh, a whole thing there. So yeah, that's that's neat. We got a a couple of games that were announced at the the Xbox and Bethesda showcase that seemed like they were Xbox exclusives that are not actually Xbox exclusives, and that's mm-hmm. a whole weird thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, the way they seem to maybe people are theorizing they had like weird embargoes on mentioning other platforms Mm -hmm. which is weird Uh, but we also have a number of other stuff happening here that's got some neat stuff here and then uh, we'll end on Activision Blizzard announcing the the results of their internal investigation and see how that went for you but before we get to that we'll talk about what we've been playing I'll kick it off here uh, the big thing that happened this week is that PlayStation Plus sort of had their big relaunch uh, of sorts that added the uh, the two big new tiers, the extra and premium tiers. Uh, the extra tier essentially adds all the the uh, downloadable PS4 and PS5 games that were on PlayStation Now for the most part. Uh, then uh, premium adds all the uh, the classic stuff, the the PS1, PS2, PS3, and PSP games. Mm-hmm. Uh, PS3 is still stream only, uh, but everything else is uh, stream or download. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I think so. <laughs> but yeah, the, the PS1 uh, stuff is uh, for at least some of the games, if you owned it on the the PS3, PSP, Vita, uh, PSN, you could get them for free. didn't have to subscribe for those games. I think I had, what was it, Oddworld's Abe's Odyssey, I think Siphon Filter. That one had a little weird snag where people couldn't redeem it Mm. for a few days there, but that fixed itself on Friday. Uh, What else? There's, There's a few more games, I think. Jumping Flash... Uh, and like one or two more that I owned free outright. Mm. Uh, the others I just downloaded as a result of PS Plus, and played a played a bunch of them on stream yesterday. I start off with the the one surprise release that you wouldn't have expected here. It is uh, Disney Pixar's Toy Story Two, mm-hmm. the Buzz Lightyear like 3D platformer thing. Yeah, and yeah, that game not very good. Yeah, has some has some neat stuff to it. You can go into like a first person mode where you can see like a a reflection of Buzz's big dumb face on the mm. uh, the the little helmets. Yeah, uh, stuff the plastic helmets. Which he also, when you go into like the first person aiming, he kind of uh, closes one of his eyes to get like a you know aim down sight kind of look to it. So that's like a a weird touch you wouldn't expect on a PS One game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the controls can be very frustrating, especially because they 
They build a lot of that first area around jumping on poles and platforming mm. off of that. And that does not control well at all. Mm. And the, the camera is not great. Uh, so much so it was kind of moving around so much. It was kind of getting a little bit nauseous. Uh, mm. Then I saw there was an option for tell to stop uh, trying to move behind you every time mm. uh, when you're moving kind of thing. Uh, this was the start of games where it's like, oh, there's no uh, invert option on the, the camera controls mm-hmm. uh, for when you're trying to shoot with Buzz's uh, laser there. Uh, but it's also a very busy game. Like I was mm. going through, you, know, you start in Andy's room. This is the story of uh, Toy Story 2. Yeah. And it starts when, you know, Buzz is trying to go save one of the toys from the, the garage sale. Mm-hmm. Ends up getting stolen by the dude, the collector. Uh, so then you're Buzz like, you're like, oh, we got to do something. Mm. And you go jumping around the room kind of thing. And you run into uh, the dinosaur. He's like, uh, telling you like, oh, Ham's over here and RC car's in the garage. Mm. And this guy's over here. And it's like, geez, this is supposed to be a kid's game. Why is there like five things to do mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing? But I went up into the attic where there was a big boss fight against one of the robots that was uh, more challenging than I thought it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, platforming around there wasn't too tough, but they had some, you know, uh, big narrow beams to walk around on. And I had to mm-hmm. be like very careful or else I was going to fall off. There's no fall damage or anything. I don't think, mm-hmm. but it's just a pain in the ass to get back up there. So that was kind of a, yeah. an annoying thing, but yeah, with the, the PS one stuff, Mm-hmm. Uh, the nice thing that they've added to this is there is rewind ability. You just hit the the options button to pull that up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a nice touch that if you use the touchpad, you can kind of swipe through the uh, the various like uh, pips they have, the the screens they have for rewinding. Mm-hmm. Uh, sort of more faster pace if you got to go a little further back, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's and you can also hit triangle on any of those. Uh, little screens to just use that as a a quick save uh, spot, a save state, essentially. Cool. Uh, but you have loading, uh, load and save states stuff there. You also have some screen options for uh, the the resolution, and you can do like a CRT filter on top as well if you want mm-hmm. with that stuff. So there's some nice little things there. I kind of think the uh, that stuff could use an option for remapping some of the controls like you could on the Vita uh, for mm-hmm. that stuff, where I believe on like PSP and uh, maybe PS1 games as well, you could map like controller buttons to the right stick when it wasn't used in that stuff mm-hmm. uh, to make it a little easier because yeah, there was a lot of uh, PS1 games where they didn't have dual stick support, so... Mm-hmm. and dual stick support at that point wasn't necessarily for, you know, moving and camera controls. Yeah. The, uh, that you could just remap, uh, you know, shoulder button camera controls to that if you want. Uh, mm-hmm. so I hope that kind of stuff gets added here in the future, but uh, a lot of the option stuff is pretty neat and it works pretty well for some of these games. Like hot shots golf is, uh, it seems like that game just inherently has, a little bit of lag to the shot meter. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you kind of use the rewind as like a, oh, I fucked up that shot. Let me just rewind and do it better. 
mm. kind of thing, which makes it a lot easier to get all the all the trophies in that game. It should. Because uh, you can just say, like, hey, I'm not going to fuck up any shots too bad here. And then you'll win tournaments and matches against other characters pretty easily uh, for that stuff. And, like, the other trophies are for unlocking all the courses, I think beating all the people in versus matches, and uh, getting, you know, like, a hole-in-one, uh, birdie, eagle, albatross kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of stuff, so nothing really too complicated there. Uh, now, all the Sony games have trophies except for Jumping Flash, which is weird. Mm. Uh, but yeah, like Jumping Flash is a neat little game. That's like a an early 3D platformer that uh, tried to do some interesting stuff to deal with camera controls in that. Where it's mm-hmm. like, how do you tell uh, where you're going to land? That kind of thing. And a lot of games did that by you know, shadows, shadow work, that kind of thing. Whereas this is like, oh, when you're jumping up into the air, you hit a button and you just look down at your feet to see where you're going to land mm-hmm. kind of thing. You're also controlling a robot, so it's not uh, too weird for what that is, and you're yeah. playing in first person uh, for that. So, yeah, there's a, there's some neat stuff there. There's like Resident Evil Director's Cut is in there. Uh, so you get the, the warts and all for that. I think that's one of those games you can't purchase uh, outside of the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tekken 2, I think, is another one of those. Mr. Drill, I think, is the other. So it seems like Capcom and Bandai Namco not into mm-hmm. the idea of getting free versions of those uh, or just buying them outright, at least at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Abe's Odyssey is on there. Mm. The 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 Buzz uh, Lightyear game is on there, which I don't know if that's tied into you know the new Buzz Lightyear movie. That's out yeah. this weekend. Yep. That'd be weird because that game's not very good, but whatever. Yeah. There are people that apparently have positive feelings on that game, probably because they were yeah. dumb little kids when it happened, so they, yeah. they liked licensed games of that era, yeah. which good ones of those were rare and uh, far and few between. So, uh, but yeah, the service has uh, a lot of good stuff to it. Uh, yeah. Definitely needs more of these like PS1 and PSP games, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm assuming we'll get that stuff as we go. Yep. Uh, but for the uh, the PS4 and PS5 games, they've done a good job of taking a lot of those PS4 games that have PS5 editions and adding those into the service. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like WRC 10 FIA World Rally Championship uh, came out a few months ago on PS Now as a PS4 game, and the PS5 version's on there now. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxies, you have PS4 and PS5. I think it was about like 40 PS5 games on there, mm-hmm. including a lot of the Sony stuff. And yeah, Sony is uh, seeming to invest in some of those games a little more because I think Destruction All-Stars is supposed to have a handful of new content updates coming as a result of going on PS Plus. Uh, this this extra service there, so uh, that's neat. That stuff can help revitalize some of those games, make it more easily accessible. Uh, for people. So, yeah, if you haven't had a PS4 or PS5 before and you get into one, this service seems like it's a great way to play a bunch of great games uh, on the on the cheap. It seems like uh, from the way that they uh, talked about the way that the uh, the tiers and all that would work if you already had subscriptions to PlayStation Now and PlayStation Plus and that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. it seemed like it was just going to 
take whichever date was longer and make that your uh, expiration date for uh, the top tier premium. Hmm. Uh, but mine got an extra year on top of that. Hmm. So it was supposed to end April 3rd, 2023 for PS Now. And now it's 2024 on that same date yeah. for PS Plus Premium. So I was like, oh, an extra year. That's very generous. Mm-hmm. It seems like a lot of people are seeing that. So hopefully that uh, stays the case. So yeah, this seems like a, a neat little service. The only real knock I have on right now is the you just go to that PS Plus uh, icon on your dashboard on all the way on the left mm. uh, on a PS5. And I'm not sure what it, if it's still over there on the PS4 or not. Uh, but yeah, they show a bunch of different categories there uh, for the various types of games. You know, you can find all your, your streaming stuff there, but it also includes like all the PS4 and PS5 games that support streaming on there as well, where it's like, uh, just let me sort this stuff out by platform for that stuff. You can look at all the classics and it's like, oh, here's all the PS1, PS2, and PSP games. All the PS2 stuff is the stuff that's been out for uh, the PS4 for a few years now. Mm-hmm. So they're not like native uh, emulation stuff in the way that uh, the PS1 and PSP stuff seems to be. Mm. Uh, so, but maybe this gets them to get more people to put more PS2 stuff up there. So who knows? But uh, seems like a pretty good launch there. And I'm curious the. EU launches uh, later this week, I think Thursday, Wednesday or Thursday. Uh, so once that is out, then they can start, you know, getting regular updates out there and all that for that stuff, for adding new content. So I'm excited to see sort of what that cadence is, as long as it's better than what Nintendo's been doing. Mm-hmm. Because uh, that's uh, not a thrilling kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about them having a date for, I think, the last N64 game they announced. Yeah. Was coming to the service. So I was like, are you guys going to announce more? Is that rumored direct happening next week, maybe? But yeah. Who knows? And their Genesis drops have been very much random. So yeah. Yeah, they have. So yeah, that's kind of the, the big question there. But everything else seems to be working pretty well so far so yeah that seems off to a good start so yeah there's uh the other big thing i've been playing this week we'll talk a little bit more uh, just real quick since, since we're on that subject um i got a chance to just go ahead and poke around too i was never actually a playstation now member until a few months ago when um what's it called i think uh playstation pretty much stopped selling the cars and all that but you could still buy them through their website and i just got in that way and um yeah, yeah i think um I think mine goes until 2023. Uh, I'm not quite sure. I, I only poked around for a little bit. But then what I saw was pretty impressive. I mean, like, people were saying that, um, or and I was one of them too, that it really wouldn't hold a candle to Game Pass, but it's it's pretty damn close if it doesn't. I mean, like, there's, there's hundreds and hundreds of games here. Um, I, w- I know I was overwhelmed. It was actually really hard for me to actually to, um, uh, to actually narrow things down. Um, I know that you can do it by, like, games that were on PS2, uh, games that were on uh, PS3 and PS4, uh, and, and, and even PS5. So it was, it was actually cool seeing um, a lot of the uh, quote-unquote newer PS5 games in there. Um, there's a, it also comes with, with, with its own like 
um, discounts and whatnot. So, yeah, um, I never actually got a chance to download anything, though I will download Siphon and Filter because I never actually played it back in its uh, original release days. But, yeah, it's, 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 it's a cool thing that a lot of these have um, native trophy support, so I definitely look forward to poking around in there some more as soon as we get through with all the... Uh, summer stuff but yeah so far it's so good and um i haven't decided whether you know it's going to be something i renew once we get to that point but like you said it's going to depend on whether or not um playstation continues to show active support for it like obviously xbox sets the tone with what they do every month uh and while nintendo has definitely gotten better on the communication side we all know that they could do much better than that and um hopefully playstation can continue to uh, keep us in the know there because in like um even though like we both think it's pretty solid so far i think the initial rollout has been a little complicated because i honestly forgot about it until they sent me those emails and the emails didn't even tell me much like i got a tweet from uh, i forgot whether it was wild 64 or um keep as gamer today but it pretty much just gave us a list of everything that was included in alphabetical order which was useful in its own right but i wish that was like more accessible or 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 easier to be seen when you're actually on the platform but yeah that, that, that that's about it there yeah yeah cypher filter is a a weird game because it's definitely a title that you look at and it's like oh yeah this came out the year after metal gear solid because they're like shit we need our own metal gear solid because that game rocks and cypher filter is not as good as that mm. uh, it's one notable thing is that you have a taser that you could shoot that locks on pretty easily onto enemies, and yeah. you just hold it down, and eventually enemies set on fire mm-hmm. for tasing them too long. Yep. Uh, in this opening area I was in, I was locking on the dudes that were sitting on top of buildings and just shooting a taser up at them, catching them on fire, and watching their bodies fall off onto the, onto the ground. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, this is pretty good stuff. I don't know about the rest of it, but uh, that's got some... Some neat stuff there. Uh, but also the, the the neat thing they have is these trials that they're doing where they got a bunch of uh, fairly new games mm-hmm. that you can try out. And like the, the Horizon Forbidden West trial is actually a five-hour trial you can get uh, for that. So you can play like five hours of that game uh, without having to commit any money to it, that kind of thing. Like Tiny Tina's Wonderlands is on there. Uh, WWE 2K22, Oli Oli World, Cyberpunk, mm. Crusader Kings 3, Biomutant. Uh, they got a pretty good list. There's like 15 games here of games you can try out Yep, that are uh, at least ones worth checking out. The weird one that sticks out is LEGO City Undercover, mm-hmm. which was a, a Wii U game that got ported over a few years ago. Yeah. That's like two hours. I'm like, this game goes on sale for like five or six bucks pretty often. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know why it's got a trial, but whatever. Uh, there probably be people that would like to try that out, or maybe just play it for two hours with their their kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. Let them enjoy. Uh, but yeah, that's some nice stuff they're doing with this. And yeah, they got all the Ubisoft Plus classics, which includes pretty much all of their VR games. So if you're mm-hmm. Looking for PSVR content on here. That's a good bulk of what's on there. Uh, yeah, they got uh, a lot of good stuff there. They're comparable to Game Pass in terms of like back catalog stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe the newer 
stuff is maybe a little uh, lacking in comparison, but they're also just starting with this. Mm-hmm. I mean, now they're going to get Stray in about a month from now uh, for PS Plus that people will be able to check out. So, yeah, it's off to a pretty good start. Looking forward to you know, just seeing how, how things evolve over time. Uh, yeah, one of the games I did get a chance to check out on the service, the the, the newer stuff, is a game called Witchwood that had kind of been on my radar for a while. Uh, Witchwood is, it describes itself as like a crafting adventure game mm-hmm. uh, where you're playing a witch who has sort of gone into a slumber for a while mm-hmm. and been woken up by a goat rampaging in her house that uh, she is very confused by what, this goat is doing and finds out it's somebody that she knows mm-hmm. has apparently like loaned her money or something like that. And it's <laughs> like taken over the goats mentally to, uh, you know, get its money back. And in the process, the goat is like eating up her potion book. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to uh, figure out your way around to get the ingredients, to make potions, to solve puzzles and, do quests for people and that kind of stuff as you're eventually working your way around to, you know, paying off your debt or figuring out whatever's going on, whatever the, the story eventually goes, but it's got a nice little story to it and all that. And it was like, that uh, was one of the games I checked out and I decided to go full on sicko mode and downloaded Balan Wonderworld because I have the, the disc version, but I don't want to put the disc in anymore. So they have that on their PS5, PS4 version, so I'll probably play that some more mm-hmm. for whatever reason. But uh, yeah, let's see what else I've been playing. Assassin's Creed Odyssey, I've been jumping back into that here and there. Uh, that game is still pretty fun. I just finished up the fourth episode, and I was looking it up. I had to figure out, like, what does that mean? How long is this game? And I guess it's nine episodes, so I'm about halfway through mm-hmm. uh, bullshitting through this game. Hmm. I'm doing more of the, the mainline quest stuff versus the tons of side quest stuff that's in that game. Because mm-hmm. uh, it's really easy to see, like, oh, there's a question mark. I should go see what that is. And just, and like, oh, there's another question mark. Oh, so I only need to kill, like, five people here. As I, you know, have a means of, like, upgrading the weird spear that she carries around, Cassandra mm-hmm. kind of thing. So, yeah, this is, this game's very weird. Yeah, a lot of what it does, but it's probably the best of those uh, three Assassin's Creed games mm-hmm. that are basically like, what if, what if we made an open world Souls game mm-hmm. as an Ubisoft thing? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that's still still fun time. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, what else is there? Yes, TMNT Shredder's Revenge. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Uh, the other game I've been putting time into is Rocket League. Uh, that just started its season seven, which I picked up the battle pass for that. Mm-hmm. And that is uh, a pretty good start. The new vehicle they have is kind of like a, like a Cadillac kind of vehicle, big, long mm-hmm. vehicle that I'm not used to playing with. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, I think the comparison would be like a, uh, one of the Batmobiles probably from Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie there that's, is pretty popular in in the Rocket League Championship series because it's largely a flat vehicle mm-hmm. that you can kind of manipulate the ball more reliably than you know a more regular car design. So that's been pretty fun. And uh yeah, like the 
uh, the the demo stuff they're doing on Steam, the only new one I've played since I talked about what I played the last time around, is a game called Alaskan Truck Simulator, which has nothing to do with Euro and American Truck Simulator. Uh, this is a new company uh, making their own like truck simulator that's you know based around in Alaska, and it's more built around the human element. Yeah, uh, you as a a person driving a truck around Alaska, where it's like. You have to worry about, you know, uh, heat and eating food and uh, staying, you know, alive as you're going around these frigid and dangerous environments, kind of thing. Uh, the demo's a little rough because I couldn't get the controller working the way I wanted, uh, even though it showed button prompts for that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to figure it out with the uh, the mouse and keyboard instead and like there's a notion of like oh you hit tab to show like interactable elements on your dashboard so it's like oh you got to turn on your heat and it's like oh where's the heat on this and figure that out you know turning on your uh your dashboard lights and your headlights and all that kind of stuff all done that way you can turn off your radio that way as well Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff and you know uh dealing with your gases you know, a little more complicated to get out. Tell the, you can like program it into the, the little uh, dispenser, like how much fuel you want. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, put it into your little fuel tank. But, but I was like, when I initially did, I was, I was just trying to fuck around. I was like, I'll just crash into this, see if it actually like explodes or anything. And it doesn't, mm. it just stops you. Uh, so it's the simulator part of it's not, uh, all that much of a simulator, but yeah, you start off like in your your little home base area and you're going around to your fridge and grabbing some food to put in the oven to make so that you can you know have some energy to do some driving, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, doesn't suit control super well on a keyboard mm-hmm. uh, kind of thing, which isn't too surprising, but also was just like trying to you know run through it as quick as I could, uh, so it didn't necessarily explain controls super well. Mm -hmm. Uh, because the only way I could find to like break is essentially like to hit like your handbrake or something like that so just stop the car completely Mm -hmm. Uh, that kind of thing so yeah that seems neat so I'm gonna probably play a few more of these demos because I noticed one that is pretty interesting we'll talk about uh, the uh, the demo or that the uh, it got announced for somewhat of a time frame released uh, a little bit later, but that's been pretty much it for me. How about you, Brandon? Uh, well, uh, as for me, um, I did finish Danganronpa 2, and I also went back and did what they call the island mode, which is the much sort of... It's not really important. Uh, the point is, there isn't really any new game I'm really wanting to play that's going to come out this month, at least not until July. Um so basically, I've been trying to find stuff that, you know, I can use to sort of fill the void until those come out. And uh, uh just so happens that uh, one of the things you can get when you've got an Xbox Game Pass subscription is Skyrim. And so I was like, oh, you know what, I'll download Skyrim and I'll play it a few hours. And oh, I forgot, Skyrim is an absolute time vampire that will slowly suck away all the hours you have in the day. So... I have been playing it uh, pretty much nonstop for the last two days, um, and 
let me tell you, that game runs so much better on an Xbox Series S than it ever did on, you know, the machines I had it on. So the fact that, you know, everything runs so smoothly and actually looks nice and, you know, I can, you know, I don't have to, like, worry about insane loading times like I did the first time around I played it. Uh, yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> um, and uh, other than that, uh, I've also been playing this other game called Remnant from the Ashes. Uh, I actually have played a little bit of it before. Uh, essentially, Remnant from the Ashes is a sort of a third-person shooter that's heavily inspired by, like, Souls-like games. Um, it sort of takes place in, like, this sort of uh, post-apocalyptic Earth that suffered this sort of interdimensional cataclysm. Um, and basically what happens is you find out that, like, the the they call it the root, basically, and you end up going into portals into these other dimensions, you end up finding that the root is this thing that is basically growing throughout, like, all these different different dimensions and worlds. And uh, it's actually, as far as, like, uh, souls, Souls-likes go, uh, compared to, like, a lot of the sort of, uh, you know, a lot of the sort of copycats, it is legitimately pretty good. Um Adding, you know, firearms to the mix is a surprisingly not not a bad addition. Because you would think, oh, well, did they add guns to it? That's just going to make it easier. Not really. Uh, you know, it, you still have to deal with stuff like ammunition. And, you know, even with the guns, the, the, the you know, even the most basic enemies, just like in any Souls-like, can tear you to pieces if you're not careful. Um, yeah, uh, that's, uh, you know, until uh, July comes along and, you know, I can play, you know, Live Alive and Xenoblade 3 and all that stuff, this is kind of what I'm probably going to be sticking with for a little while. Uh, either that or Neon White, but I still need to find a way to get a hold of it. But anyway, yeah, that's what I've been playing. So, Dan Rev, what about you? Yeah, it's probably going to be uh, a little bit of opposite of what uh, Brandon uh, has said. Uh, um, two of my most anticipated games, actually three, uh, came out last two weeks. So I was, I've, I've pretty much been splitting time off them. Uh, beat two, and this can't really beat because it's a, it's a sports game. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so the sports game I'm talking about is Mario Strikers Battle League. Uh, that came out, was it last week or two weeks ago? I, I don't even remember, but it, it came out over the past month. And um, yeah, it kind of lost some steam just because... Um, you know, it's, it's, it's been Summer Game Fest. We, we, we've been talking about all that. But yeah, um, this is a game that I've been looking forward to ever since it was announced. Mm-hmm. And um, I will say that I am enjoying it much more than the other two Mario sports games in uh, tennis and golf. Uh, but that being said, it didn't really have to do that much to be better just because, um, you know, it's as as it, it, this has always been like a, a fun party game in its own right. That said, uh, like those other two games, it does have some problems, um, and these problems are very Nintendo problems and can easily be fixed. Uh, the the first problem that uh, Mario Strikers Battle League has is it's it has a real lack of content. Um, you primarily have like your um, your tournament mode, and from there 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 really is nothing else to play right? um, aside from the multiplayer, which uh, is definitely fun in its own right. Uh, if you've never played a Mario Strikers game before. It's uh, 
soccer in the most uh, screwed up form possible. Like, you know, you, you're you're playing in a Mario themed uh, uh, dome. Uh, and mm-hmm. the, the the big difference in this game is that both sides um, have sort of like uh, your own home field. So yeah. um, one of the big things in sports is like, you know, having home field advantage, right? But in, in, in Mario Strikers, uh, both halves of the of the entire arena made for your advantage. Um, that being said, uh, as far as what I've seen, they've, they've pretty much only been cosmetic. Um, I don't really see that big of a difference between either of the two, aside from just visuals. Um, so in Mario Strikers, you can like attack people and uh, steal the ball that way. Uh, when you attack people near the, near the wall, they'll be uh, introduced to the electric fence and be stunned for a while. Uh, you want to be an asshole and attack people without the ball, uh, mm-hmm. What happens is they'll be given a slight advantage by having access to an item. And the items are when things get really screwed up. So if you thought, mm-hmm. you know, Mario Kart is totally unfair because, or Smash Bros. is totally unfair because of all the items, it's in a totally uh, different class with Mario Strikers because, you know, it's all about finding um, the right time to go ahead and shoot your shot and score some points. But mm-hmm. if you're constantly in the fear of being attacked by whomever, um, yeah, it's going to be hard to score that way. And um, part of the problem with um, scoring in uh, Mario Strikers is that the goalies are all CPU. So mm-hmm. you're either going to have a goalie be really good or you're going to have a goalie be really bad. There is no in-between. And the only way to really uh, to really compensate for that is to just keep shooting whenever possible. So you have mm-hmm. a bunch of different kinds of shots in the game. You have your, your, your typical kicks. Or you could also um, use charge shots just by holding on, holding on the shoot button. Or you can also um, use your uh, special shots, which um, are, is activated the same way a special move is done in Super Smash Brothers. You have to find like a special item that'll randomly appear, mm-hmm. and then uh, as SNG, you, you get access to that. You can you can go ahead and do it. Now here's the kicker with special shots: um, if you do it successfully and make it, you get two points. And points mm-hmm. in this game are both easy and hard to come by, just because of what I said about the goalies being good enough. Um, the other thing is that when you activate a special shot, um, you have to do, uh, pretty much a, a, a golf timer or what you see in NBA 2K, where you have to make sure that, uh, things line up properly. And if you get it, if you get it perfectly, then, um, your shot goes in no matter what. Otherwise it's sort of, um, RNG in regards to getting the shots blocked. Um, when you're on defense and you have to defend those shots, there's a, there's a quick time event where you have to, uh, tap the tap the A button as much as possible to block it. But even if you do that successfully, there's no guarantee that you'll lock it in the first place. So it's a game of chance at that point, and that's kind of annoying. Um, all that said, uh, I think my biggest uh, annoyance with the game is that whenever you do uh, a special shot, uh, you have to watch uh, a cutscene uh, before the shot happens. And I'm like, this, this isn't really necessary, especially when you've seen them all. And... Uh, there aren't that many characters in the game. I'm hopeful that you know we we, we see more via DLC uh, as time goes on. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it there. Like it's as fun as, as it's always been. Um, I've always enjoyed the attitude that the Mario Strikers games have had uh, compared to the other sports games. But um, the the lack of content for what's there is kind of what brings the value down. And you know, for sixty bucks, like you really want to see more there. And it's unfortunate because Nintendo has done this with both uh, Mario Golf and um, Mario Tennis. And we also saw it with um, uh, Switch Sports. Um, all these games, they're fun, but 
because there isn't that much to do. Um, it kind of like is, is just, you know, taking up space after about two weeks. And yeah, it's been two weeks and I've already stopped playing it. So that's pretty much like what I have there. Uh, will, will, will I play some more as, as soon as they have like more content to show? Maybe. But the main thing is like, you know, they've, they've only kept me engaged for two weeks when you would hope that, you know, Nintendo would want to capitalize on how fun of a multiplayer experience it is by just, you know, giving you more content to enjoy. You know, it's total. It's, it's a, the total antithesis to Smash Brothers, where every DLC round, like you know, not only do you get a new character, but you get new music, you get new stages, you get new spirits. And so far, with all these Mario Sports entries, we haven't seen that happen. Um, and hopefully, we see them turn the corner sometime soon because we know that this will sell well. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, aside from that, I've also been playing The Quarry. Uh, the game came out on the same day as Mario Strikers, and this has actually been my most anticipated game of the year. Um, ever since they uh, came out with Sifu. So um, for those of you who don't know about The Quarry, uh, this game is uh, Supermassive's uh, latest game. They're known for Until Dawn, which is one of my uh, one of my top 5 for 10 favorite games on the PS4. And they're also known for the Dark Pictures Anthology, which I haven't played any of those. So um, I heard that they aren't that good, but uh, people enjoy different things. So I don't really have much to say about that. But The Quarry is more in line with Until Dawn. You have uh, a quote-unquote star-studded cast here. You have a uh, guy, Justice Smith, from Jurassic World and uh, Detective Pikachu. You have Brenda Song from... Uh, she's, she's more known from her Disney days, especially on uh, The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. But yeah, like these are recognizable faces um, and who put up quite a performance here. So basically, uh, to outline the plot, um, or to really an idea of what you do here, uh, like Until Dawn before it, the Quarry is pretty much uh, your typical cheesy horror movie. And, you know, when you're watching a horror movie, especially a horror movie that was made in the United States, you're like, man, what that character did was stupid. Of course he or she died. So when you play this game, it's like, okay, are you really as smart or as stupid as you think uh, these characters are being? So, yeah, it gives you full control. Everything you do and everything you say has consequences. Uh, as you move forward in the game. And that's, that's, that's definitely been um, what drives you in it. Uh, there's 10 chapters in this game, and it puts you in control of um, some uh, summer camp counselors. And as they get ready to leave camp, because they're, they're, they're done with summer, they're done for the day, uh, there's one guy who wants to have one more extra night, so he decides to uh, fuck up the car and make sure that no one leaves. Um, at the same time, um, there's a bunch of stuff going on in that forest. Um, involving hunting season and as a result shit hits the fan and yeah it's all it, it becomes a horror story and uh you know it, it's it's all about getting out and part of what made until dawn, until dawn uh fun for me was you know uh being used to walking simulators and decision-based games uh and being a trophy hunter um i have to explore every nook and cranny i did that in until dawn and i ended up like exploring this door and i got my head chewed off uh, the quarry has that sort of same thing. So it's really not about exploring. It's about doing the right thing for the story to move forward the way you want it. And um, I'm happy to say that when I played through the quarry, uh, none of the important characters died. So that was pretty cool. Uh, would I say it's better or worse than Until Dawn? I would say it's about, it's about the same. Um, the only thing that I thought um, Until Dawn did better was it did these uh, scenes where you aren't supposed to move because your character is hiding. And if it notices that your um, that your PS4 light moved or your controller moved, then you fail that you, you fail that QTE. 
Whereas with uh, with with the quarry, there's these uh, don't breathe scenes where you have to hold X or hold A uh, until the threat is no longer there to get you. And to me, that came off a little easier. I would have preferred it to be uh, the way it wasn't until dawn. But I can understand why they did it because the PS5 doesn't have the same technology, and obviously the Xbox doesn't either. So uh, it makes sense there. Um, but aside from that, it's it, it's really cool. It's it's really unfortunate that Brandon didn't get code because I'm 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 interested in seeing how our uh, game experience is different. But um, yeah, it's definitely a fun experience, and I totally recommend that one. Um, review should be going up this week. Um, last as for full games that I've played the last few days, uh, the last one I played was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge. Um, the release date was announced last week during Cyber Games Fest, and it came out a few days ago, and this game is absolutely fantastic. Uh, it's developed by Dodimu, the same people that gave us uh, Streets of Rage 4. Mm. And like Streets of Rage 4, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. This, this game, I'm writing the review right now. Um, if you watched any trailer of the game and that interested you, that's all you need to know. It's, it's, it's basically everything you can ever want from a, from a side-scrolling game, um, especially with TMNT, because... Growing up, I was a huge TMNT fan. Um, I remember watching it at 7.30 p.m. like every night when I was like four or five years old. And the cool thing about that era is that the games were good, too. You know, we had the original game on the NES. We had Turtles in Time. And, um, yeah, all those games were fantastic. Uh, Even though the the arcade versions were quarter munchers, um, this game sort of does away with that by giving you a dodge mechanic. Um, the dodge mechanic is pretty essential because, you know, it, it allows you to not get hit. Whereas, you know, with the, with the arcade games, it'll take your quarters because it'll kill the shit out of you, like, you know, within minutes. Um, mm-hmm. The game doesn't really get all that hard, especially when you're comparing it to Streets of Rage. Streets of Rage, I, in my opinion, was a harder game. Uh, TMNT, I finished in about two and a half hours, and it was easier when I had my brother join me to, for, for, the, for the co-op. And yeah, it's a it, it's a four button um, side scrolling action game. You have you have your typical attack moves. You have um, a grab move that you do just by walking into an enemy. You have your dodge, which I mentioned. You have your jumping moves, and you also have a special move that you could activate by um, raising your spirit, which you do by um, uh, by increasing your combo count as well as not being hit. And um, yeah, it's totally fun. Uh, the game features all four turtles, Blinter, April O'Neil, and um, if you when you beat the story mode, you unlock um, Casey Jones. And yeah, the game is six players. Uh, totally fantastic, easy recommendation. Again, working on the review tonight, and we'll ha- have it up this week, and it's, it's fantastic. Um, lastly, um, because of Summer Games Fest, uh, it um, I, I I got I got my hands on some Steam demos, uh, and the Steam Deck. Um, has been a godsend in regards to events like these because I've had the ability to just, you know, download and add whatever to the wishlist that I want to play. And uh, two games uh, I went ahead and tried out so far. The first one is Spirit and Mouse. Um, Spirit and Mouse is interesting. You you pretty much control a mouse in a, in a in a third-person perspective. And what I had to do in this demo was I had to um, listen in on a conversation between two guys, and one guy is excited about his show coming on, and all of a sudden, they lost power. So as the mouse, you have to go around what seems like Paris, and uh, or a little street and alley in Paris, and just try to find um, all the little electric things in order to get the power back on. 
and uh, it was a fun thing to do. Um, the, the the art style was nice. The the um, conversations that happened are, are are pretty funny. It really reminded me of like a a Zelda game in sort of a Super Mario Odyssey kind of world uh, with like almost Nintendo uh, ish dialogue. So that was pretty fun to play. Um, I also played um, a demo for a game called Last Time I Saw You. It's a narrative side scroller uh, that takes place in Japan. And in that game, um, you're this kid who just uh, dreams about like this girl that he sees. And um, it's it's pretty charming and the art style is pretty awesome. So I'm probably going to write a preview on this pretty soon. And uh, yeah, like both of these uh, are definitely uh, solid and I, I looked forward to them and I will and I've added them to my uh, to my uh, Steam wish list. Um, I'm also playing uh, <clears throat> what's it called? Uh, Wrestle Kingdom, I think, or uh, hold on. I uh, I got logged out a little bit. I'm trying to get that system here. Sorry, one moment. I was talking and then my, my Apple logged off. Y'all, y'all, y'all can still hear me, right? Okay, yeah. so uh, the demo I'm playing is uh, for WrestleQuest. Uh, the game is a, a professional wrestling uh, JRPG. And it has mm-hmm. some um, real talent on there, like Diamond Dallas Pig is on it, Jake the Snake is on it, and um, basically everyone here is an action figure. And um, all of the battles are sort of like Paper Mario, where there's a lot of timing-based mechanics to a turn-based battle system, but everybody is a wrestler. Um, instead of magic, you have your gimmicks, which will show off your wrestling special moves. And um, I'm not done with this, this one yet, but so far it's been really charming, and I'm really forward to the eventual release of this game. So yeah, that's pretty much it for me. Um, I know I, we, we, we were actually supposed to talk about TMNT last, but I guess I went over it uh, too quickly. But uh, go ahead, Chris. Uh, yeah, so like you said, uh, it is an absolute love letter to the, the 87 TMNT series. Mm-hmm. So much so after I was beating some of these stages, like, when the fuck did they fight a video game boss? I was like, look at that. I was like, oh yeah, like she was in there. Probably when I wasn't paying attention to the series, but that's in there. Uh, but yeah, the it's a love letter to that and to the uh, Turtles in Time game, basically. Yeah. Uh, a lot of the way that they designed the combat includes a number of the things that you had in that game, mm-hmm. uh, but added, like, flesh out the combat a bit more. So, like, the uh, depending on the character you had, you, know, you had, like, one aerial move mm. of sorts. It was like uh, Mikey, the one I usually played. You know, he kind of swung the uh, his nunchucks down to like slam on an enemy's head or whatever uh, kind of thing. And here you kind of have that. I'm not sure since like when you start a game, they show you like literally a 21 page set of here's various moves you can do in this game. And it's not as complicated as that sounds. Because it's a lot of it's just like, oh, here's like three different aerial moves you can do kind of thing. And, you know, one of them's like uh, a general, you know, he like locks on to enemies' heads to bop on them to start, you know, knocking them over, getting a combo going. You also have one that's more of a a launcher kind of move where you will kind of go into the air and do a couple of hits on the way up so you can get some attacks in that way and that's better for like aerial enemies you'll eventually run into mm-hmm. that kind of stuff there's specials that you have uh, mm-hmm. and you can do a taunt for that stuff I believe one of the turtles it might be Donatello that 
uh, pulls out a Game Boy to play like a TNT yeah. game on there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michelangelo, he just dances, and goes party time. Uh, so it's a, uh, and you get into a habit of like, oh, I beat all the characters in this section. Let me, you know, dance to fill up my meters uh, and then get ready for the next section. And you can rely on that a lot because his aerial special, at least for Michelangelo, will just wipe out some enemies in like one hit if you can group them up in a good spot, uh, that kind of stuff. And so there are definite ways where it's like, well, his combat's fleshed out pretty well, so you can get good combos in there. And if you're smart and use things well, you can dodge out of the way before you get hit. Uh, and there's like attacks tied to the the dodge, so you can launch back into an attack, that yeah. kind of stuff. Or if you get hit and knocked over, you can sort of roll back out of it, that kind of thing. There's ways to like cancel out of combos. There's a lot of like neat depth to the combat. I didn't use it that much because I was playing on like the the middle of the road uh, combat, uh, the difficulty on the story mode. Mm-hmm. There's like an arcade mode that I assume is going to be you know, a set challenging difficulty. And if you can't get through, you're fucked kind of thing. Yeah, one thing I didn't mention most of was the fact that, like like you said, they have a tutorial mode there. And it's it's kind of weirdly done because even though they're showing you how to do everything, you don't actually practice it or can practice it until you're actually in the game doing stuff. And yeah. I remember when I first played it, it was a little bit overwhelming and I didn't know that I could, that I could skip it by holding on the, on the option button. Um, and then eventually once I got like, once I played it for the second time and then I watched a few again and I was like, oh yeah, I forgot like, I, I, I could go ahead and charge my move. Oh, the, 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 yeah. this, this move isn't, isn't even available until I reach level eight and uh, stuff like that. So it was pretty interesting to see, but like, uh, like you said, like everybody has the same, um, pretty much move structure. It just depends on there are obviously attacks stick because longer range. Raphael is going to be more powerful, but he's better in close range. And then, you know, someone like Splinter is going to be like a total badass as far as like his martial arts, but he's going to be really, really slow because he's old. So it's that sort of thing. Yeah, I did find it hilarious when they were like, oh, yeah, Casey Jones is in the game. And then I launch this up and he's not even on the the main screen or anything. Yeah, yeah you have to unlock him. Yeah, and I was like, oh, do they not even show him until you unlock him kind of thing? Or it's like, OK, that's weird, but exactly. I was like, you could have at least put him on here with the crew. Mm. It's not like he's. I was like, oh, he's he's behind everybody. That's what it is. Uh, but yeah, the campaign's pretty well done. It's not super long. Uh, I think I beat it in like three hours. Uh, but I was, you know, going for collectibles and all that. I got most of the collectibles. There's some that I miss. A lot of them are just you break, you know, crates and such that are in stages. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like 16 stages long, so it's not even super long or anything. Uh, but they yeah, have challenges. I, I, um, on- I think they might even be random drops because uh, there was a point in the game where I thought I missed one because I saw like during a boss battle. But then like during the next level, I found something and completed the side quest anyway. So yeah, I, I, I think they might be random drops. But yeah, aside, aside from that, um, it's it's interesting because um, like as you mentioned, like it's a uh, it's sort of a love letter to every Ninja Turtles game before it. Um, like every four levels, uh, the the background like sort of uh, sort of changes to more encompass like another. Like you said, um, uh, one part is really all about turtles in time. Um, the other the other part is really about like the the, the first game because you're in the streets of New York and things like that. And uh, I thought it was pretty cool. It, it, it kind of uh, gave me the feeling that um, 
Sonic Generations did because it puts you through old levels, but at the same time sort of remix it in their own way. Like I was telling like guys like Pat and Phil, like this game is pretty much what Sonic Mania was to the Sonic games, except it's Turtles. And I think we actually have um, some guys on the um, Turtles staff who was actually on the Sonic Mania team. So that might be why it's all that. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, the the fan service is done pretty well. I never really had too much trouble with the collectibles because if you go into, I think the 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 layer where they hold a lot of this extra information stuff, the they show you what episodes they are in, mm-hmm. uh, and a lot of them are just like, oh, these are in like the next four or five stages. You'll find these crates with them in them, and I usually didn't have too much trouble though. Yeah, there's like one set that's for the the weird frog spin-off team mm-hmm. that shows up. I forget what they're called. They're like uh but they're you know frogs that are named after your like famous dictators mm-hmm. instead of Renaissance painters. Uh so it's like Rasputin and uh some of these other characters was like, Oh yeah, I remember they added some frogs for some reason, probably to make fun of the battle toads mm-hmm. uh kind of thing. And uh yeah, you run into a lot of like major bosses, you know, Rat King's in there. There's the uh the big dinosaur dude from the past. Uh and it seems like the overall story is they're trying to rebuild the uh the big robot body for Krang. Cause his pieces are all over the place. So you got like Rocksteady and Bebop finding the head and it literally kind of gets passed along with each stage to somebody else usually. Uh, and then I think ultimately they retrofit a lot of that onto the Statue of Liberty. Mm-hmm. So you find a weird Krang version of the latch, the Statue of Liberty. And as you would expect, uh, Super Shredder at the end. Yep. Uh, uh, neither of those fights were all that challenging. Mm. Uh, like, as I said, there were points in those fights where I could literally just hang around, just uh, pull out the, uh, do some taunts to fill up my bar. And when I could get tax and just do the, the aerial special and just take down a good chunk of their damage, their their health bar. Mm. Uh, so those boss fights were fun and challenging, but nothing like too complicated. Uh, they aren't. They don't go anything like a like a Streets of Rage four boss where it's literally testing all of your skills, how well you've mastered that stuff. Here it's like ah, oh, you can just fuck around and you'll probably do it. You usually have a few lives. As you play, so you get uh, several chances. Uh, on the the medium difficulty, it's you know I really I only failed once on one of the stages, and that was because uh, my life counter said one, and I was like, okay, I got one more life after this, and I was dead, and I was like, I yeah, it's zero to zero is not a number in this game. <laughs> That's... I was like, oh, this is that kind of game. I think I haven't had to worry about in like thirty years. I only died in the third level, which was the first time that you're on those hoverboards. Uh, yeah. And like, it was just confusing trying to like get those air enemies, but I didn't realize if we, if you did the square X attack more often, uh, it totally helped them down. But, um, yeah, yeah, there were, there were some points, especially against a super shredder, um, where I was literally standing in the furthest bottom right corner part of the screen. That way, none of his stuff would hit me until like yeah. someone was nearby. So, uh, that was pretty cool, but I, I did die a fair bit. Um, in the later levels, and I think I cheesed that cheesed out of it by having my brother revive me. So um, yeah. that makes it a little bit more fun, fun and approachable. Yeah, uh, I I had a good time just 
getting into the habit of, oh, I've cleared out all the enemies on this screen. Let me refill my health bar and then, or my my uh, special meter bar. Because as you play, I think for every enemy you kill, you get like a point, and all the way up to two thousand points, you uh, level up your character and you get bonuses. Usually, like oh, there's an extra hit point, or you can have one more special meter to fill up, and I think an extra life is one of the ones you get in the last near the end. That kind of thing up to level 10. And so like one of the achievements I think is for getting all of the uh, characters up to level 10, which all it did is take me uh, up to like the, the 14th or 15th stage to get all uh, leveled up on Mikey. So it should not really be that difficult. Uh, The achievements, I think that will be the hardest. Uh, They're like the ones I saw is like, I revived people in multiplayer. I was like, go. oh, okay. I guess I'll have to play multiplayer on a number of these, which it seems like it's going to be fairly easy. Like any point in the campaign, you can just uh, pull up like find players. And I think it shows you potential groups that are on that stage you're looking at. Mm. So you could just hop in, play that stage and leave or whatever. Uh, so, and I think it's cross play as well. So you don't necessarily have to worry about what platform you're on, but I could be wrong with that. But yeah, a lot of it's just like, I got to this point. I did get the 250 hit string Mm. by beating those weird robots that turn into uh, like the shell version of them that you can hit and just had them up against the wall and was just literally hitting it to not letting it hit the ground. (laughs) I got 250 hits that way. Uh, I think my best like natural hit combo is like in the one thirties. So you can get it, especially if you're a decent player uh, and can string stuff together. There are ways to cheese it and ways to get it legit if you're just able to not get hit at any point. But yeah, I'm looking forward to playing some more of this and uh, playing with the other characters. I heard April Neal is supposed to be pretty good mm-hmm. in this game, uh, so that'll be fun to see. Oh yeah, she's pretty solid, um, which is funny because like at least in all the versions of TMT I've watched, she's never fought. So uh, I, I guess that was a definitely a cool point for me. Yeah, yeah. and they just have some fun uh, fan service in there. Like there's a bunch of characters to find. There's like the the future people uh, that are in there. You find the turtle, the the frogs, a handful of other characters. Sometimes when you do that stuff, uh, you get the uh, like a a collectible quest to kind of find some more stuff and that'll get you some more upgrade points or mm-hmm. level up points for that stuff. I was like, Irma, she's lost five secret diaries in the next like five stages. Go get them. Mm-hmm. That's the, the producer guy from the station. He was like, Oh, my, my secret VHS tapes. You got to find those. They're got all my porn on there. I don't know. Uh, there's like the, I think they call them disgusting bugs. That you find, I think, are like dug beetles. Mm-hmm. That you find some stages, and there's like crystals, like the future people kind of stuff. So there's a lot of good fan service in here uh, that is pretty fun. So yeah, definitely recommend checking this game out. It's on Game Pass uh, for mm. PC and Xbox. Uh, the PC version, for whatever reason, initially wasn't launching the first day, so I didn't get a chance to play it then. But the next day, it started working again. Mm. I streamed a good two hours of that. Got to I think level 12 on there in the campaign. So uh, there's a, there's a lot of good stuff there. Definitely worth checking out sort of one of my 
uh, favorite games of the year and has me really excited for that TMNT collection that's supposed to be out later this year. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that is uh, that is that. We'll get to some news because uh, Summer Game Fest happened. Yeah. Like, I think all the events are gone mm-hmm. at this point. We've gone through them. Yep. Uh, anything else is a residual. Okay, they still got one more thing. It's the Multiverses Pro Player Showcase, which I don't think most people care about. Yeah. But uh, yeah, we'll get some cleanup here of some news that happened here. Uh, Capcom had their showcase, and they kind of just showed a little bit more of the you know Resident Evil 4 remake they're doing. Uh, they have some DLC for Resident Evil Village that also has like a third-person mode, mm-hmm. which is neat. Uh, but the the big news was sort of about Monster Hunter Rise, uh, the Sunbreak expansion that is coming out here. Mm-hmm. I think in about a week and a half, and that uh, they have a demo out now for that on mm. Switch and PC, so you can check that out now. Mm-hmm. I don't know how long it's going to be available, uh, but it's at least out now. So if you want to check out some of the some of the new content there, uh, you can do that. So. That is uh, good to see. They seem to have a lot of content in the works for that game. Mm. Adding some more uh, monsters after uh, the launch Mm. uh, through into next year. So they're going to keep working on that game for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's see. we got a couple more things here. Ubisoft had their weird Assassin's Creed anniversary showcase thing that nobody expected anything to happen. And they basically said nothing really of notes, they're adding some new content for Valhalla for a year two. Mm-hmm. Uh, just some random things. They're also adding, uh, let's see, the Forgotten Saga. It's a roguelite inspired game mode that takes place in Niflheim. Mm-hmm. Uh, you play as the, the daughter of Loki, Hell, I guess what this is saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you come face to face, or no, you're going to fight Hell. You're probably as Ivor. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. Or Odin? Well, Might no. Be Odin? Uh, well. That's what it's saying here, maybe. Maybe. I don't know. It says, in uh, it, the daughter of Loki, Hel, is punish- is pushing Odin through an endless realm of death. Ah. Like any roguelite, Odin will die a lot, so I guess you're playing Odin. Okay. Overcoming ways of enemies, growing stronger, using skills you learn, mm. all that stuff. That'll be interesting in that series. Mm-hmm. They haven't really tried anything like that. It's some supposed to be out sometime this summer and free for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the bigger thing they announced uh, is that they are going to have an Assassin's Creed event in September. Mm-hmm. That I assume is where they will announce that new Assassin's Creed Infinity live service game that they're going to be announcing. Mm-hmm. Or maybe something else, I don't know. But they're they just put a date on that because they were probably one of the the biggest publishers that had nothing to show during any of these summer game, summer game fest stuff. Uh, and that was something they had said ahead of time. Is like, yeah, we don't have anything really ready to make a big deal about. Uh, so like the the closest they had was that Assassin's Creed event. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Xbox they had a follow up showcase with some. Uh, extra gameplay of some things, uh, a little bit of extra news. And one of the, the bigger ones here was that Valheim mm-hmm. uh, was on that big chart for PlayStation pl- or for the, the Game Pass for yep. the next 12 months. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, we got more information on that, that the the 2022 Valheim is the PC version, mm-hmm. which is not really that surprising. The uh, They are doing a console version for Xbox uh, Series X and S and Xbox mm-hmm. One in spring 2023. Uh, so there you go on that stuff. Mm-hmm. That was a game that was big early on in the pandemic, but then kind of just uh, lost a lot of its steam as it just kind of didn't... Yeah. Really make any major progress in becoming a more complete mm-hmm. game t- since it's an early access. Mm. So I don't know what the the progress has been for that, but people like it, like it. But I've seen a lot of people talk about bouncing off because they just haven't been adding much to it of substance versus just mm. extra content occasionally. So there you go. Uh, other bit of news. That Stalker 2 Heart of Chernobyl is mm-hmm. officially delayed to 2023. Mm. Uh, as not really hugely surprised, it was delayed to December 2nd uh, at a certain point, but then the, the Russian invasion of Ukraine kind of put the game in a, a state of limbo as they prioritized yeah. the safety of their uh, people working in Ukraine, uh, getting them to safety and everybody that I think they are in a new office in Prague, Czech Republic. Mm-hmm. So hopefully everybody is okay at this point. They have put yeah. out a, a dev diary of their experiences, you know, doing all of this. Uh, so you can check that out. But mm-hmm. yeah, hope everybody's safe and they can get that game uh, to a good place, hopefully. Then mm-hmm. one of the weirdest things they did during that showcase is they announced Fallout 5 for some reason. That it will mm. come out after Elder Scrolls 6, which has only entered like pre-production. Yeah. <laughs> so like if you thought that game was gonna be out anytime soon, like the next year or two. Nope. It probably <laughs> isn't. Then Fallout 5 is beyond that. Mm-hmm. So it's like why why are you doing this? Yeah, mm. but Bethesda's really good at their uh, matter-of-fact stuff. I mean, like, yeah, sure, we're we're getting Elder Scrolls, so they might as well <laughs> double down and be like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're getting Fallout 6. Like, okay, uh, they don't have to be announced yet, guys, but uh, it's good to know that they're happening, even though we kind of already knew that. Mm. Yeah, which is like, they announced Elder, uh, Elder Scrolls 6 four years ago uh, at E3. Yeah. like, yeah, we're confirming all the leaks that we're working on this game called Starfield. And after that is Elder Scrolls 6. It was just a CG video of a valley. Mm-hmm. So Mounds, like, I guess that could be a place. But they aren't, aren't even that close to making that thing like a polished thing they could show off. Mm-hmm. And so talking about Fallout 5, after that it's like, I don't think Fallout people are that hard up on having a new game that they are like hounding them in any way. Mm-hmm. And this is just a problem that Microsoft has had for the past few years in announcing a bunch of new games that are either in some form of development hell as team as like a bunch of their people are leaving, or they're just in the quiet part of development where you are just working and not having anything of, you know, note to show off mm-hmm. for any reason. So 
just having Todd Howard just announce this bit is just like, why? Yeah. Stop creating a queue of games that will be developed at some point that will cover at least into the 2030s from what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. Which is ridiculous, but... Then Xbox's like last little thing of note here is that they are doing an ID at Xbox Summer Game Fest demo event. Mm-hmm. Uh, it starts the 21st to the 27th. Uh, so they'll have over 30 demos. Mm-hmm. Uh, no real big list on that stuff just yet. They mentioned a few games here. Batora Lost Haven is one mm-hmm. of those. That is... Looks like a RPG of sorts. Mm. Let's see. Broken Pieces, a psychological thriller taking place in a French coastal village. Mm-hmm. Somehow outside the flow of time. Mm. Uh, Severed Steel, which is that kind of very stylish uh, first-person shooter action game. Mm-hmm. It has some real neat like, bullet time, visual style kind of stuff going on that... Uh, Looks really neat. I don't know if it's a game I would ever really play, but uh, let's see. They also have Tiny Kin. That is that neat little like uh, 3D platformer kind of Pikmin-esque kind of thing Mm -hmm. uh, to it. So that'll be there. So four of those games at least. Uh, But yeah, that'll be starting here in two days and people will be able to start downloading some of those demos and seeing what those games are like at the moment. Uh, So yeah, you can check that out. Hmm. And yeah, we'll get to the rest of our news here. Yeah. Uh, let's see. The Elder Scrolls 2 Daggerfall. Mm-hmm. A game that kind of set a a benchmark for what their games would be like in the future as far as being an open world yeah. game. Kind of big to explore. Yeah. Uh, maybe the main problem is it hasn't aged super well and visual no. style and how it plays and all that. So. Yeah, keep in mind, this is back in, like... 96. Yeah, so we're talking about, like, a like a computer RPG in the mid-90s, and, you know, it's, unless it was, like, you know, isometric, it, uh, you know, like, you know, like Bowder's Gate was, uh, yeah, in the first-person perspective and everything, it, it wasn't gonna be able to control terribly well. Yeah, a lot of these uh, part of the part of the back in the day was the novelty of it that you could oh I'm like in a fully three you know a three dimensional space that I can roam through at will. Um, yeah, and you know it is, but you know all the characters are two D sprites. Yeah, it's it's very much kind of learning things from like Doom and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Applying it to like a big open world, mm-hmm. uh, which I believe is also randomly generated. Yeah. Uh, so that's, and weirdly enough, that game is getting mentioned by uh, Todd Howard in relation to Starfield, mm-hmm. where it's like, ah, oh, we've only like hand designed like a small portion of those thousand other planets. Yeah. And the rest are all kind of procedurally generated to be like resource yeah. places, uh, that kind of thing. So, yeah. Uh, Which makes sense because you can uh, playing this game now. Going back, you'll find sort of like the way that the Elder Scrolls universe itself has kind of evolved over time. Because 
again, this was like only the second Elder Scrolls game that had been released up to that point. And, you know, the universe had not been, still wasn't like fully formed, you know, like I don't think it would really fully form itself until like Morrowind came out. Um, but for example, uh, the Khajiit are still, you know, still very similar to how they were in Elder Scrolls Arena in that they're still mostly human. Um, the Khajiit do not become like the full cat folk that you see until Redguard, and that was like the third game. Yeah, so like some of the some of the the art direction and the lore was still very much in the prototypical stage uh, for the Elder Scrolls universe at this point. And yeah, so this this is not a an official uh, remaster or anything. Yeah, this is a modder sort of rebuilding the game in Unity. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is why it's called Daggerfall Unity GOG Cut. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, it seems like it at least has the uh, we're not going to sue you kind of energy coming out of Bethesda mm-hmm. uh, for this. Uh, but yeah, it's a team of modders that has kind of been working on this for a while. And there's a, a video from them, I believe, as you can kind of see yeah. it in action a little bit here at the bottom of the video. Yeah. The article. Uh, yeah, as they mention here, I uh, started about a decade ago uh, bringing the unique experience of the classic open world RPG game to a new generation of gamers. And yeah, the uh, yeah, you can download the game, simply launch it. No special actions or updates on your behalf, so it's not like some of those sort of masters where you kind of have to have the original game and put the yeah. uh, the launcher into this kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but it does have high resolution visuals, new lighting, yeah. longer draw distances, support for mods, and a number yeah. of quality of life tweaks, including like smoother first person controls and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you can go into god.com and find that on there mm-hmm. and uh, check it out and play a game that's uh, a better version of a game that was kind of a uh, a seminal release. Yeah. For where this shine would go after it. Yeah. And where Morrowind would take that to an even bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Uh, though with less of the the procedural generation to it, but mm-hmm. everything else would be kind of a big deal there. So, yeah, you can check it out. It's free. Yeah. Don't have to do anything extra. Yeah. And it's also, like, not, uh, you know, data-heavy either, so... No. Those games are pretty small at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, but speaking of old games, uh, Nintendo announced what I believe is their final uh, game for the Nintendo 64 app for Nintendo Switch Online Plus Expansion Pack, at least mm-hmm. of what they've announced previously. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is Pokemon Snap. So if you enjoyed the, the newer Pokemon Snap, or I think it was called New Pokemon Snap, Mm-hmm. Uh, you can play the old Pokemon Snap. Yeah. And enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, try to satisfy the uh, the tough needs of Professor Oak. Mm-hmm. He's a very petty asshole. <laughs> yeah. For some reason, I don't know why. I, I, I thought this game was already out on the NS. Nope. That was wrong there. Uh, yeah, it was Pokemon announced, had, but never released yet. Ah, okay. But yeah, you got that uh, to do. Uh, so yeah, that's going to lead to Nintendo not having anything announced for this thing. 
Pretty much. I don't know about the Genesis stuff. Uh, that's always seemed like a nebulous thing, just like the NES and Super Nintendo stuff at this point, where it's like, ah, who knows? Yeah. Whenever Sega or somebody else decides to say, hey, we got Genesis games to dump on you. Mm-hmm. Figure it out. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, there you go. Uh, for that, that is, uh, let's see, also coming out pretty soon. Yeah. There's an Overwatch 2 beta. That was yeah. another event that happened this week. Yeah. Uh, is that Bethesda was talking, or Blizzard was talking about the the Overwatch 2 free-to-play stuff that's happening later yeah. this year on October 4th. Yeah. And how that's all going to work. That's coming to, I believe, all the consoles and PC in early access form. And they're yeah. talking about, you know, content plans and all that. They're going to add new heroes like every season. Yeah. Uh, which I believe is going to be on a like three-month basis for each season. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be at a pretty good clip for this. But if you want to guarantee your way into this, a uh, PVP beta that starts here on the on June twenty eighth. Uh, you can pay them forty bucks for it. Uh, that gets you uh, the Overwatch Watchpoint pack. That okay. includes the Legendary Edition of Overwatch. If you do not have it already, that includes yeah. you know, some additional skins and such that uh, you can get there. Uh, you also be granted access to the beta, which starts here in. Almost two, uh, about a week or so. Yeah. Uh, you also get, let's see, additional content granted to purchasers at the release of Overwatch 2 on October 4th. Mm-hmm. You get the first battle pass included uh, for Season 1. Let's see, uh, you also get two Legendary Hero skins for Soldier 76 and Cassidy, which I believe is the new character that they announced at Summer Game Fest. Mm. You also get 2,000 Overwatch 2 Virtual Currency. Uh, they, don't, they don't have a fancy name for that just yet. And you get two-player icons that are like pre-purchase exclusive icons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you can pay 40 bucks for like the uh, for an early way to play that game as well as play some Overwatch while you're waiting for Overwatch 2. Yeah. Which, again, the way they're they're doing all of this is the multiplayer stuff is supposed to also be accessible through Overwatch, though I don't know if that's true anymore because it's free-to-play, so mm-hmm. not exactly charging for any of this. It just might be a new launcher. Yeah. I don't know how they're doing that all. I, I don't know. Something about having to pay that amount of money just so you can get into a beta. Uh, it just comes off as kind of scummy. Yeah, I don't know if they have sign-ups for that as well. It's like a you can get uh, a chance into it. Okay, they do have that. So you can say, like, hey, I'm you know on Xbox. I want to sign up for a chance to get in, that kind of thing. Uh, but, yeah, you may not necessarily get picked, so this would be a way to uh, get into that and be, you know, ready for the, the launch as well with some extra stuff there. Like, yeah. if you already know you're going to jump into all of this. I mean, I did find it rather peculiar that Overwatch 2 was going to be to be a free-to-play game. Um, yeah. It would make sense to just, you know, make people buy it like they would all the other flagship uh, titles. But, um, yeah. Um, as far as, like, the bundle being scummy, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. It's, to me, it's just a kind of a way to get them to buy it again. But 
Um, yeah, it's it, it it does kind of make sense, especially if you really want to like ensure that you get in, because that's that's never a guarantee, especially with how yeah. popular games are. Yeah, I, I guess that's true. Yeah, and yeah, it's they're definitely a level of Overwatch fan that knows they're going to be in this game, mm. be into it, and kind of want to be in there. And if you can just like pre-order the the first battle pass and whatever other content comes in this, mm. like that maybe works out in the end. I don't know. Mm. I also don't know how much money this Overwatch Two virtual currency uh, converts to. Mm. If you were to just buy that outright. Uh, so yeah, there's. Oh, that seems like they will also. It's not mentioned here. If you already own Overwatch One, you can claim a free Founders Pack starting on June twenty third. Uh, if you already own the Legendary Edition, mm. which I don't remember if that's what the console version is by default. Mm. I don't know. I know the the console version was a sixty dollar thing. It was like the special edition on PC. Mm. Because that was forty bucks when it launched on PC. That was yeah. a weird thing where we didn't have the option for the cheaper version. Mm. So I don't know. I don't know which version I own. Though I haven't launched any version of Overwatch in probably at least four years. So there you go. But yeah, they are getting rid of all the loot boxes. I believe that is one of the things they're doing. That is sad news for Kevin Van Ord, who's accrued at least a thousand of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I believe he also probably owns all the content he wants out of that game. Probably. If you've got a thousand loot boxes that you're not using, you probably already have everything you want. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, there you go. That's Overwatch 2. Uh, let's see. A bit of a surprise here, if you are a fan of The Binding of Isaac, there was a, a weird little spinoff that uh, Edmund McMillan did that was called The Legend of Bumbo. Mm-hmm which is sort of like a dungeon crawler uh, kind of game that was uh, deck building, mm-hmm. kind of roguelike, uh, kind of using elements of Binding of Isaac, but more deck building stuff going around dungeons and all this. And it kind of has like a Paper Mario-ish kind of design mm-hmm. uh, for why, the way everything looks. But this game was on PC for ages. Uh, yeah, 2019. Uh, so they've finally announced that, hey, they're doing that on the consoles. Uh, it's the new consoles, PS5, Xbox Series X and S, as well as Switch. It'll be out June 29th for 20 bucks. Uh, that seems kind of neat. Mm. And yeah, they're definitely saying a lot of like Binding of Isaac kind of stuff here. It's like, there's 125 unique items that can be modified and upgraded. 80 mm. unique trinkets that give Nito passive abilities. Mm. And different player... Uh, playable Bumbos, seven of them, I guess, with their new different abilities. Uh, 13 bosses, 40 enemy types, uh, music and all that kind of stuff. And Poop is one of the key features. Mm. Poop with an exclamation point, which that's Binding of Isaac there. Yep. In fact, the, the logo has Poop right in it. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Gotta love shit, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you blew up a lot of shit in that game, so. Definitely. And speaking of shit, there's Hellpie uh, mm-hmm. coming to all the PlayStations, Xboxes, Switch and PC on July 21st. This is a 3D platformer that uh, I played a bit of in one of the uh, the Keeley demo, f- if you know, fest things they've done in the past. That this game was 
uh, a neat like 3D platformer, but is very much inspired by like the the Conquerors Bad Fur Day kind of obscene 3D platformer mm-hmm. sort of thing. Is you're playing a demon of bad taste that somehow gets you know handcuffed to a uh, an angel named Nugget. Mm-hmm. And you're going to use the the angel to attack enemies and solve puzzles and all this kind of stuff. And you're literally like finding a- animated pieces of shit that are attacking you and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. It's that kind of game. Yep. Uh, it looks like it could be neat if you're into it. I think it also had options for how much censoring you want it to do. Mm. <laughs> I've heard excessive gore and uh, stuff like that. So. Oh, wow, they actually are turd-looking. I thought you were joking. No. No, he was not. No, it's it's a game about uh, nasty and potentially offensive shit. Yep. Uh, the key features they list here, one of them is filth. It might yep. look cute, but there are violent characters illicit drugs and sodomy. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, yeah. That, that makes sense. Uh, another one here, random bullet point. Did you know? Necrophiliac ducks exist. <laughs> All right. I did not need to know that, but cool. We'll move on to more pleasant stuff. Atari Mania. It's a new game that got announced, and this is kind of a genius idea that I'm surprised more purveyors of old-ass games haven't done. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know your WarioWare? Yeah. Uh, they have lots of little games to play, especially of their old games that uh, a lot of people you know, of the, the 2000s and Later, probably don't want to go back and play in their entirety, but you give them five seconds of it, you, they'll probably enjoy it. Mm-hmm. What if they did that with Atari games? Mm. That's what Atari Mania seems to be. A collection of 150 micro games. Yep. Incorporating various classics they have of the 70s and 80s. They seem to be redesigned a bit in terms of visual style and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but do you do go through a bunch of that stuff? Uh, in quick succession, as you play the caretaker of the Atari Vault, Tess is watching over the storehouse of retrotastic uh, Atari games. One night, a dead pixel appears, and then soon enough, all he- all heck breaks loose. Mm-hmm. As you journey through the vault, you find that familiar and beloved games have begun to warp, mutate, and meld into a series of increasingly wild challenges. Mm. Uh, with over a hundred hundred lightning fast micro games to master. You'll have to beat killer combinations of well-known Atari properties, solve puzzles, complete challenges, and beat the clock, all the fun Atari Easter eggs to uncover along the way. And so that's kind of a neat uh, thing to do, because there were definitely a wave of games that are like, hey, WarioWare is cool, what if we do something like that? And then they did some weird spin on it that was just weird. Mm. Uh, and this is a game that's like, hey, what if we just do that, but for Atari games that nobody really wants to play? Oh, yeah, they seem like they'll have a bunch of, you know, collectible stuff to get, you know, Atari, vintage Atari art, posters, manuals, fun facts, all that kind of stuff. Uh, Fully playable versions of remastered Atari classics are unlocked as well. So if you want to play more of those games, those micro games in their full forms, I guess you can do that. There's another, yet another way to play those Atari games, but that'll be out sometime this summer for Switch. Steam and still the Atari VCS mm-hmm. is still around. So there you go. Mm. And yeah, one of the big stories from Summer Game Fest was the those 
Persona ports that were coming to Xbox and uh, Windows Store mm-hmm. uh, that were kind of weird that they were seemingly exclusive uh, to Xbox uh, for this stuff. And mm-hmm. we found out a couple days later that's not really. Mm. Uh, the weird thing is that they people seem to think there was like a two-day embargo blocking mm. a couple of these companies from mentioning they were bringing their games to other platforms. Huh. So then, you know, Atlas puts out this story, uh, this, you know, announcements and updated their website of, of these images for these different games showing like, oh, they're coming to more platforms, than just the Xbox stuff, hmm. uh, which is like PS5 and Steam for Persona 5 Royal. Uh, Persona 4 Golden's also coming to PS4 and Windows, no PS5. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Persona 3 Portable is also coming to PS4 and Steam. I think, uh, yeah. So those are coming to other platforms. Still no Switch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the conspiracy is that that rumored Direct will have those games in it. Mm. Somehow have to hold it for that. They would hope. But yeah, I, I, I just found like a lot of the execution for this interesting and just flat out weird. But then again, you know, when when we're dealing with with, with, with a Japanese company, I totally get it. I mean, like as a community manager myself. Of course, we're going to have some privileged information that we go ahead and uh, schedule different things on social, whether they're social posts or other content. But Atlas did it a little weird here. As, as soon as Xbox made the announcement, not only did they share the information on social, they also changed their um, Facebook and Twitter covers. Um, mm. And that was a lot. Um, and then all of a sudden, this announcement comes, and then they changed them again. So... Like a bunch of different things can can be happening here. Maybe they didn't know about the PlayStation um, PlayStation uh, announcement, or they just really want the attention, whether it's good or bad. And I'm probably leaning towards the second, just because, like you know, as far as social goes, you, you're going to get a bunch of your hits just by causing a whole bunch of muck. And um, a lot of that muck is probably going to come from Nintendo users who only have a Switch. And uh, mm-hmm. I totally get it there, but um, I don't know. It's 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 just a, a total weird thing as far as ex- execution goes by their uh, community and social team. So I don't know. I don't know like what the thinking was with that, but they didn't have to update their Facebook or Twitter cover because like no one notices it until that until it does happen. So it's kind of weird. Uh, going back to the actual story, um, I do find it interesting that Persona Five Royal is going to get a PS Five release. I wonder yeah. if that comes with its own um. With its own trophy list, uh, Persona Five Royal was a game that I did platinum, but I did not do it with the original Persona Five because it was a uh, it was a rough list. And um, I'm wondering whether it allows you to double up or whether it's just a completely new one because that will actually determine whether or not I buy this game again. Will I play through it again? Probably not because this is a 100 hour experience. But uh, you know that's that there. And um, Persona Four Golden, uh, Persona Three Portable. Uh, definitely games I'm looking forward to playing uh, again on an HD console, even though I have them on uh, on my Vita. But, you know, I don't really want to turn it on again, so <laughs> there's that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it begs the question, like, is it going to be a free upgrade for the PS5 version of Persona 5 Royal? Are they going to let you, you know, carry your saves over from the PS4 version? Uh, you know, new trophy list, all that kind of stuff. It's... Uh, Interesting, and I would not be surprised at all if, like, Persona 5 to Royal, there's no, like, upgrade path. Yeah. It's just, like, give us another 60 bucks uh, for this version. 
Uh, but it's also interesting that like Persona 4 Golden and Persona 3 Portable do not have PS5 versions announced. Yeah, They are on the new Xboxes, but not the new PlayStation. And then that makes me wonder if like they have some sort of similar agreement to, say, what they did with Yakuza Like a Dragon, where it was exclusive to Xbox for a few months. Mm. Uh, the new console version and the PS5 version of Yakuza Like a Dragon came out, you know, for that. I don't know, but... That's kind of weird. Mm. But also, it's, you know, Atlas and Sega. Yeah. They also get weird at times, especially uh, Atlas. Mm-hmm. They're not putting out that many games anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you got uh, time for that. So, I guess, you know, we'll find out more. We got four months until Persona 5 Royal comes out on, you know, the Xboxes, Steam, and PS5. And find out more about whatever potential upgrade stuff there is for that, mm-hmm. or lack thereof. Yeah. See. Hey, there you go. Uh, let's see, going on here. Yeah, the uh, there were a number of anniversary events. There was Assassin's Creed one. There was uh, the Final Fantasy one that was uh, for yeah. Final Fantasy VII, which is like, all right, seems like this is the the point you're gonna announce. Uh, you know, some Final Fantasy VII news. They don't have that many Final Fantasy VII games. Yeah, works. Uh, but then they said, "Hey, what if we do have that many Final Fantasy VII games, mm-hmm. like they did back on the PS2?" Yeah, where they announced four games. Yep. Guess what? They've got four Final Fantasy VII games that they talked about here. Yep. One was that Battle Royale game, the first Soldier, mm-hmm. that they're on like season three already with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also announced the Ever Crisis. They showed mm-hmm. more of that. Which looks like, hey, what if we did another remake of Final Fantasy VII and Crisis, yeah. Crisis Core, but focusing on Zek? Mm. Uh, at least that was what the trailer was focusing on. I was like, okay, but this is only on mobile for now. Because mm-hmm. they did that with I didn't the. Uh, that part. So they're, they're, they're doing two Crisis Cores? There's Ever Crisis, which is sort of a, I guess, a condensed remake of sorts for mobile. Uh, they did something similar with Final Fantasy XV, the Pocket Edition. Yeah. Which is like, what if they did like a an easier to get through version of that? That that eventually came out to consoles. Mm. Uh, so I wonder if Ever Crisis would be another game that comes out on mobile first, and they kind of get feedback and all that, and then eventually release it on console. Mm. So they can have even more Final Fantasy VII games that let you play through that same basic story. So there's that, and then they announced... Uh, before they got to, say, a sequel to Final Fantasy VII Remake, they put out this whole thing called Crisis Core Final Fantasy VII Reunion. Mm. That seems to be a remake of Crisis Core in the Final Fantasy VII Remake engine. Uh. Uh, seems to have uh, a similar form of that uh, combat system, though probably with a bit of the remake's combat system in there. Mm-hmm. I think there was even a bit of that... The weird like slot machine thing that's in Crisis Core. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's in there a little bit. But everything else looks like, oh, what if we we remade that PSP game that we refused to ever sell digitally for people to play? Hmm. Uh, what if we remade that in Final Fantasy VII Remakes engine and put that out because that's another Final Fantasy VII story we haven't told yet. Yeah. In modern platforms. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, this is the one that came off as uh, the biggest surprise to me, aside from the fact that they announced games at all. 
And yeah, um, yeah like Crisis Core is I hold very special uh, 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 as a dear part in my heart because uh, um, Crisis Core is actually one of my first um, review copies. And in order to, to prepare for it, I played the original FF7. I was in the middle of college here, so I had to like track down a PS1 play the original Final Fantasy VII, and then eventually get to Crisis Core. And I found Crisis Core to be the, to be the better game. Um, mm-hmm. quite, um, primarily because that game was made for its time, whereas I was playing FF7, like, you know, a game that released, what, in, 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 in the early 2000s, late 90s. Yeah, exactly. A, a game that, that came out in the late 90s, I was playing, like, way past 2007. So, mm-hmm. yeah, like, there's that. And Crisis Core was just... Like that game, if you've never played it, again, it's about Zack Fair, who they touch briefly upon in the original FF7. But that game makes you realize how much of a piece of crap Cloud is. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I totally loved it. And the fact that no one else or you can't get it on any other platform is totally, totally messed up. So it's good that they're bringing it back. But mm-hmm. because they're bringing it back in the FF7 remake style, not to mention they called it Reunion. It makes me wonder if there's going to be any fresh new content in here, especially considering, as we talked about a few weeks ago with Brandon, um, Remake sort of retells the story, and they might yeah. do it very differently. Uh, yeah. for, for, like, you know, the, the, the main character might not be dead. We don't know. It's, 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 yeah. going, to be, it's going to be a total surprise, and if, if, it, if it doesn't happen, and it, it ends up just being a flat remake of what it was, I wouldn't be mad at that. This was a very good game in, in, in all... And all ways to, to to explain it, and I'm I'm definitely looking forward to it. Mm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Speaking of uh, Final Fantasy remake, <laughs> well, I was going to say this this game looks pretty interesting, and it's coming to everything. Yeah. Uh, all the PlayStation's, Xboxes, Switch, and PC, and people are like, why is this happening and not you know remake? Why aren't Xbox and Switch getting that? And it's like because this is a prequel to Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. not remake. Yeah, which is on everything. Mm-hmm. So that's the technical reason, story-wise. I don't know if they're gonna make any adjustments to the story to tie into both somehow. Mm. That's a possibility. Uh, but yeah, I've seen people being like, well, "How could they change the voice acting?" And other people are like, "The voice acting was garbage in the original game. Why yeah. would you be that uh, precious about that stuff?" And it's like, I don't know. But I also want them to do a dirge of Cerberus, mm-hmm. uh, you know, remake of some sorts, just because that was all action and shooter stuff, mm-hmm. which they're better at now than they were at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, but that would be a fun yeah, I mean, thing like, to see come back. Not to mention at this point, they they, they might as well just do it. I mean, um, this is something that they really tried their best to do with Final Fantasy Fifteen. But the problem with Final Fantasy XV was the fact that, one, it was never really going to be a pure Final Fantasy game. And in order to really get into it, they forced you to watch the anime or, or the, and or the movie. And I can tell you that maybe more than half of the people that played the game um, didn't enjoy it because they didn't understand what was going on. And only the, the movie and the anime really did that. Um, whereas with FF7, yeah, uh, this started as a game. People loved it, and as a result, they created more, and they they built they built more off of that world. Like, I will be like one of the first to tell people that FF Seven is probably the most overrated in the series, but it's te- it's definitely earned its keep, especially with how consistent they, you, you you want to be with it. Um, but the fact is, like, the world building is there, the lovable characters are there. Um, yeah. It stayed true to most of like what makes it it. 
And the bottom line is like people just really love Final Fantasy VII, and it's Square Square is actually taking advantage of that fact by making more content for those people. So mm. good yeah. on them there. And as far as Rebirth goes, you know, it's next winter, which means 2024 at the earliest. But um, yeah. at the same time, like there, there, there's no reason anybody who played uh, the original FF7 remake shouldn't look forward to this, because obviously it ended in a little bit of cliffhanger. You want to know how it ends, and uh, we'll see how it goes from there. Because I think the second entry is going to be pivotal um, for the rest of the, the story, just because you know know where it'll end. But this can be a five-part series. It can be a three-part series. It can be a four-part series. Well, they said series, it's and... supposed to be a trilogy. Okay. I will say what you said about it being pivotal to it. Uh, part of the reason to that is the fact that you're no longer stuck in a single location like a uh, remake was you know now that you've actually gotten out of the city and you know the whole you know the whole open world is there for you so it's gonna yeah. be interesting to see how they go about that exactly so you're out of midgar and you're like you're, you're pretty much there it's uh i just wonder where they decide to go ahead and draw the line and get ready for the third one because yeah like you have everything at your fingertips and this was kind of a game that I complain about FF13 all the time, just because that game felt like it was all corridors. And mm-hmm. 7 Remake sort of felt like that because of its linearity. But um, <clears throat> the reason why, why that, that, that's the case is because you're stuck to one world. Now it's all open. And we don't know how they'll, how they'll address it. So that'll be pretty interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah. And whether or not they'll be able to, you know, design basically being your biggest time waster. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So they they did announce a follow up to Final Fantasy Remake, not like a part two or anything, but called it Rebirth, mm-hmm. uh, seemingly tying into the sort of meta elements of the way that that game goes. Yeah, uh, for remake and even weirdly enough, uh, I think I saw uh, Tetsuya Nomura. They put out statements from the various people working on this game uh, that. He was talking about like, oh, there can definitely be people that start with Rebirth and get into the story that way. And it's like, I get that you have to say this for like business reasons, but story reasons, like how is that going to work as a thing? Like, is it like, I don't know. Uh, it's a it's a weird whole statement that they would be putting out for that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, we probably can because, like, and you know, if they do pull it off, that that would just you know further prove how prove how how good that game can be. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, like, it's going to receive the most enjoyment from the people that were there first. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and I'm also like, it, what is interesting also is the title because, um, the you know, like we the remake part of Final Fantasy VII remake was actually something that had ended up having more than one meaning. Um, and, you know, anybody who played it. Because it completely, you know, like, from the very, pretty much after, as soon as you're out of the, uh, you know, you've, you've finished the, the, the reactor mission, the game's plot basically goes completely off the rails at that point. Um, and, like, completely is like, okay, so at this point, nothing going forward is something that you can necessarily predict if you've played the game, if you've played the original. And 
part of that is because they they are literally remaking the uh, direction that the story can go. So I'm wondering what exactly rebirth is going to mean in this scenario. Does that mean that uh, a certain character is not only not going to die, but they're actually going to survive and somebody end up might have to go in their place? I also wonder how they want to address um, bringing in content from the original game. Because, like, you know, we're, we're, we're continuing the story here. And mm-hmm. if, you put, if you put Cloud back at level one, like, what the hell, man? You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, is it that could what, be that if you've got, that, like, uh, it could be that what they do is, like, you know, save, uh, you know, the, 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 if you've got the save data on your console or whatever, uh, you know, they'll just up the, the difficulty for you uh, to, yeah. you know, level it to whatever level you were when you finished the first game. I think it's more than likely that they're probably going to knock him back down to level one, which it would be. Yeah, and, and, and then that, that, would, be their, that yeah. would be their cop out reason for the word rebirth in the title. <laughs> yeah. 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 So I found the statement they put out as uh, two parts, but this, this one paragraph is the, the thing I thought found interesting where he's Tetsuya says Final Fantasy VII rebirth is being designed so that people can enjoy this game, whether they know the original game or not. Back new players might even enjoy starting their Final Fantasy VII journey with Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Cloud and his friends embark on a new journey in this game. I believe that the scenes that they witness after leaving Midgar will give players a fresh new experience. Yeah. Which is a weird thing to say where it's making me think like, is Final Fantasy VII Remake Dragon Ball? Final Fantasy VII Rebirth is Dragon Ball Z. And then like whatever the, the third game is like, oh, it's Dragon Ball Super. Whereas, like, you could start with those. You can probably imply what happened before, you know, with that. But, you know, you miss out on a lot of context in, you know, what a lot of people here in North America did was start with Dragon Ball Z. Mm-hmm. Where you didn't fully understand, like, why Piccolo and Goku are uh, basically hating each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Goku and Chi-Chi's relationship with all the... The Z Warriors, you know, all that, what all they went through and all that, you know, how everything got to where it was. Mm-hmm. You can enjoy it because of everything else, because it just goes to another level. But, but yeah, like the, the stuff that's like, especially immediately starts on the second disc. If I'm seven's like, I goes wandering around the world. And then there's this whole weird thing in the mountains mm. where you're like fighting like directing people in fights and shit. It's like, what the hell is this compared to everything else you did for the, the first disc in Midgard kind of thing. Once you get out. Uh, so yeah, I'm curious to see what all is going to happen with this, but yeah, as they say, it's coming to PS five only winter 2023 uh, sometime late next year, uh, which is honestly pretty quick turnaround from where the last game was at. Because uh, that released a few years ago. But them only putting it on the new consoles uh a little surprising. But I guess by the point that this happens, you know, the PS4 would probably just hold back whatever they're gonna do here mm. at a certain point. Uh so yeah, kind of that makes the, the integrate DLC uh even more vital mm-hmm. uh for uh getting ready for the new game. So it gives you more reason to go back to that and play, keep playing it. Because mm-hmm. I'm 
at some random part of the game. I forget where. Yeah. Definitely after the that awesome motorcycle fight, mm-hmm. where it's like, what if we turn the anime levels up to a thousand? Yeah. Well, I mean, they were able to actually have you do what the original game could always suggest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's that was a, a nice surprise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the original Final Fantasy remake is finally on Steam, so people can get that mm. after being mad at the 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 Epic Game Store release, which is Square Enix just taking any money they can get. Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit about your feelings. Yep, they want the money. Mm. Uh, but yeah, we'll start getting to some other stuff here that's been announced. Uh, this is one of the interesting sort of indie games that got announced over the past week or so. A game called Undetected. Yep. And if you look at the the trailer and all that, it is a game that is heavily trying to be Metal Gear Solid. Yep. It's a top down stealth action game. Uh, it has that similar kind of style to it, both you know modern uh, bonuses for lighting and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Demos out now. I'm gonna check it out after the the show here. Uh, but yeah, this is a pretty neat looking game. Yeah. Oh, it's God. Be- it's, it's almost straight, almost straight ripped from Metal Gear Solid. Holy shit. Yeah, Metal Gear Solid with like some Metal Gear Solid 2 stuff, like the way that riding could kind of flip around and knock dudes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of that God, stuff. The art direction is like, is like yeah. Metal Gear Solid. You sure, could, uh, you sure Konami isn't going to try and. Sue because uh No, they're not they're not doing anything with Metal Gear Solid. Yeah, but they're soon. petty enough that they would try. Uh they're con- they're focused on this TMNT money. Alright. Money stuff they're gonna get from that. Uh but yeah, this is coming to everything. All the PlayStations, Xboxes, Switch and uh yeah. PC. Q4 2022 is the time frame they have right now. Mm-hmm. Uh but yeah, they uh this looks nice. It looks like they got you know more sound tech in here as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, better sort of lighting and all that. Yeah, you have a scout mode as you can kind of look around and better observe, which is kind of what binoculars did in Metal Gear Solid. Uh, yeah, focus on you know non-lethal action. You have an option for that stuff. I wonder if it's the same kind of weird like choke out thing that Snake could do. Yeah. Or just hear the guy like moaning as you're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're kind of all that. Uh, and you got some people to rescue and key cards and all that kind of stuff. But four difficulties. So all the way up to what they call Mexican Extreme, mm-hmm. which will wipe your save if an alert is triggered. So definitely doing that. So I think this is a, a Spanish team or something. Mm-hmm. It's such a silica nice thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let me see. Yeah, okay, he's from Mexico. This guy is a solo dev game. Oh. So that's neat. Yeah. Yeah, he made a game that came out last year called The Chameleon. Mm-hmm. Which is also kind of a stealth game, but you have like a a big bad guy that's like chasing you around. Mm-hmm. I guess, but your guy also has like superpowers, so you can just like mm. really bust shit up if you mm-hmm. need to. And also, you look like Tommy Burchetti from uh, Vice City. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, this is like PS1-ish. 
mm. kind of visual. So that's that's neat. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, another one of the games that looked neat is a game called Demon School, all one word, uh, coming to everything. It is a, a new game from Necrosoft Games that has made a, a bunch of cool stuff. They did Gun House. Mm-hmm. Uh, I forget what else they did. Gun Sport. Uh, Hyper Gun Sport. What else do they do? They do a bunch of stuff. Mm. Here, Oh Dear, which is a fun, like, hey, what if uh, you did Outrun, but you're like a station wagon that's just like hitting deers as you're drifting around corners. Mm-hmm. So, you know, doing a bunch of weird stuff there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they announced their new game called Demon School is sort of a school life strategy RPG. So it's got a mix of like Persona with uh, Shimigami Tensei and some, uh, I don't know if it's Fire Emblem, something like that, maybe. Uh, mm. But with uh, described as Italian horror cinema mixed in there. Mm. Uh, so it's a neat little game that is going to be coming out next year. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that looks, it's a neat looking game. Very much got like a persona vibe of, you know, places to go and hang out with people while you're not doing your, your fighting. This mm. might be the more like the original persona. But sure people don't know that was very strategy RPG, the way you did your fights mm-hmm. in terms of positioning and all that. So that could be neat. Mm. Uh, let's see. Yeah, like Persona, Wolong Fallen Dynasty seemed to be an exclusive mm-hmm. of sorts, but after a few days, they were able to announce that they were also coming to PlayStation and Steam. Uh, PS5, PS4, PC, along with all the Xboxes. Uh, coming out in early 2023, it's the new Team Ninja game. Mm. That seems to be the Neo team making uh, one of those kind of games, but set in the Three Kingdoms storyline but done as a dark fantasy game mm-hmm. so you know being weird again also having the producer bloodborne working on this as well mm-hmm. so they're going all in on that as a weird thing but there you go it's not just an xbox exclusive mm-hmm. uh but yeah we also mentioned that you know all these anniversary streams dragon dogs dragon's dogma had one as well mm-hmm. uh, happened at the same time as the final fantasy one i think 10 minutes as well Yep. And um, they're just talking like, oh, here's, you know, behind the scenes info on how Dragon's Dog was made. Mm-hmm. And at the end, the the host and some of his other guys just decided to take off their jackets and reveal shirts that said Dra- Dragon's Dogma 2. Mm-hmm. Saying that they were starting uh, development on that game. Mm-hmm. Or that it's currently in development. They're finally making a sequel. Mm-hmm. Uh, announced 10 years after they finished up the first game. So there you go. Mm. For all the the weirdos that have been harping on where the hell this sequel is, Capcom do something. Mm-hmm. They finally announced it. So there you go. Mm-hmm. Enjoy that. Um, we got our last two stories here. Mm-hmm. Uh, today is Juneteenth as well as uh, Father's Day. Mm-hmm. And you know, you've got your various corporations doing their Juneteenth. Uh, celebrations, nods, whatever mm-hmm. they think is appropriate, and a lot of it's been not great. Yeah, especially corporations saying like, "Hey, let's make Juneteenth themed products." Uh huh. Which is like that's not the sort of holiday this is. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like the same reason you don't have Veterans Day themed ice cream. Mm-hmm. 
Shouldn't have Juneteenth themed ice cream. Mm. No. Stop. Stop it, companies. Uh, but Halo yeah. Infinite was getting on this, was going to do something uh, for that. Some, I think, a free cosmetic you could get that would pay tribute to yeah. Juneteenth. Uh, the the bad part of it is that it, when it was released, it was titled Bonobo. Mm-hmm. Which, if you don't know, that is a species of great ape. Yeah. Very holiday about the the last slaves in the United States getting freed. Mm-hmm. That's not good. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came out and apologized for this, saying that Bonobo is the name of a tool set they have in uh, the Halo tools that they use. Mm-hmm. And that somehow got name got attached to this item yeah. in that process. And mm. somehow nobody seemed to notice this. Mm. Uh, and at least did a Google search for Bonobo and see if there are any potential mm-hmm. uh, ways it could be taken as racist. Mm-hmm. And so there's plenty of people out there Adding this on to the the other pile of shit that Halo Infinite uh, is dealing with. Mm-hmm. I can definitely see how it was probably a bad idea to put this thing out without, you know, double-checking everything about this. Mm-hmm. That's just how you do when you're naming anything like this uh, over a very sensitive topic. Mm-hmm. And yeah, so they have since uh, fixed it. Mm. I don't know what the new name is. But how it happened in the first place seems very sketchy. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's uh, kind of the latest shitstorm for Halo Infinite. There are plenty of people that are not giving the team any uh, credit for changing the name and you know apologizing and all that and explaining mm-hmm. what happened and all that. It's like, yeah, sure. Do what yeah. you gotta do. But yeah, that's uh the leadership at three for three seems to be at least uh saying the right things. Joe Staten apologizing, saying our mistake today was inexcusable. I'm ashamed we allowed it to happen. Bonnie Ross wrote on behalf of three for three, I apologize for making a celebrated moment a hurtful moment. Mm-hmm. So yeah. There you go. That's that's the reason why you mm-hmm. uh Double and triple check any names you come up with. Yeah. Whether it's intentional or not. Mm-hmm. But yeah, let's see here. The last one, Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had an internal investigation going on. Uh, let's see. Yeah, they had a, the, an investigation started by the board of directors that has released its findings. Mm-hmm. And they have concluded... There was never any systemic issue with harassment, discrimination, or retaliation at Activision Blizzard. Mm-hmm. Contrary to many of the allegations, the board and external advisors had determined there's no evidence to suggest that Activision Blizzard senior executives ever intentionally ignored or attempted to downplay the instances of gender harassment that occurred and were reported. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think at one point they also note, like, oh, and the, uh, the reports we have of harassment and uh, discrimination and all that, uh, we're way lower than everybody else. Mm. 
So we're actually really good at this. Mm. I was like, nobody believes a single thing this report has to say. Because mm-hmm. uh, you guys are Activision Blizzard and you have allowed all this to go on for years. Mm-hmm. I've done nothing to really try to make amends. No, not really. Um, if anything, they either do like some formative bullshit or they just deflect. Yeah. Or they just pretend it doesn't happen at all. Yeah. Like COVID. Yeah. Yeah, so... Yeah, that's a, that's a fun thing they did. So like, hey, we didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, n- nobody's buying it. No. Honestly, I don't think even they are. Yeah, because they don't got much else to lose at this point. Mm-hmm. Either the acquisition goes through and they all get their golden parachutes and get the fuck out. Yeah. Or it doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And they will have to get the fuck out because they were leading the company as they fucked up an acquisition of that scale. Mm-hmm. So they'll be out either way. Yeah. Probably. It depends on how much money they get in the process. Mm-hmm. Which are probably still way too much. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That's going to end the show for today. Uh, thank yep. you all for uh, tuning in this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be back next week with a new slate of news. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Thank you, uh, Brandon Danner, for joining this week. Always. We'll be back next week with a new slate of news and games to talk about. Mm-hmm. As we finally get close to reaching the halfway point of the year. Yeah. Almost there. Aren't we? Oh, no, no, we're not. We're not. We're not. Yeah, this is still the sixth month. Yeah. But yeah, we'll be back in July, then we're past the midway point. So, yep. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll have uh, some fun stuff to talk about for next week, hopefully. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, before uh, we end it, we'd like to ask you if you enjoy the show, feel free to let friends and family know Mm -hmm. that they should check it out, as well as select strangers that will not. Uh, harm you in any way yeah for talking to them mm-hmm. uh, but yeah thank you everybody for tuning in hope you have a good one and we'll see you all next time